This podcast contains possible spoilers about comic books and adaptations. You've been warned. Hey, Lance, uh, in honor of our episode about Black Manta today, I wrote a little sea shanty. Of course you you did. Would you like to hear it? Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) All right. Oh, life on the deep and briny sea, it's only a pirate's life for me. I'll live in a sub and cause much dread with a bug-eyed helmet on my head. I take what I want, but I don't take guff. Shoot you with lasers to take your stuff. I'll conquer the sea any way I can. And I'll never trust an Aquaman. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today we're talking about Black Manta. We're featuring Black Manta as part of our episodes honoring Black History Month, featuring Black characters, creators, and their cultural impact. So let's talk about Black Manta. Often regarded as Aquaman's arch nemesis, Black Manta is a powerfully driven pirate, mercenary, and treasure hunting villain in the DC Comics universe. For years, his true identity was actually unknown, and he was never shown without his oversized helmet. It took several decades for readers to find out his identity and early motivations for being a killer. That would that would drive everyone absolutely insane nowadays. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, for sure. our the generation that now just has to binge everything. If you kept a character under wraps for fifteen years, mm-hmm. people just wouldn't read the book. They're like, they're never going to tell us. We're never going to know. It's quite impressive that he went unknown for so long. And because it's DC Comics, his origin has been redone three times. So we're going to talk about each one of these. And kind of which one is the one that's sort of um, regarded as as canon for now um, going forward. So we have origin number one. Even in his first appearance in Aquaman 35 in 1967, Black Manta was described as already being an old enemy of Aquaman. So starting out strong. He even shared the cover of that issue with Aquaman's other great foe, Ocean Master. He was painted as a physical manifestation of the Atlanteans' fears of the surface world. He was a brutal killer, a plunderer, who would stop at nothing to achieve his goals. It wasn't until 10 years later when he would remove his helmet. And then even at that point, it would take another roughly 15 years until he would actually get a definitive backstory of Black Manta. And that's crazy. Think about that. That's 10 years before you see who the villain is and what his origin is. And in modern comics, that's just practically unheard of. Can you imagine just seeing, like, you've waited all this time to see who this character is, helmet reveal, and everyone's like, wait, who is it? And then you (laughs) don't get the answer. You don't even know. For a while, it just said Black Manta identity unknown. Gosh. So we're talking now in post-crisis on Infinite Earths in 1992 in Aquaman 6, we learned uh, David Hyde was a young boy who grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, near the Chesapeake Bay. 
He loved the ocean, but was kidnapped by pirates and forced into servitude on the high seas. Abused and enslaved for several years, at one point, he saw a young Aquaman with a pod of dolphins. Of course, it's always with a pod of dolphins, right? Yeah. He yeah. called out to the young Aquaman to rescue him, but was not heard, leaving David to have a hatred for Arthur and Atlantis. At least until... Origin number two. So in 2003's Aquaman series, he was given a different, darker backstory. In this history, he was an autistic young man who grew up in Gotham City and was placed in Arkham Asylum for treatment. And of course, he's from Gotham City, right? Yeah. Because everyone has to be from Gotham. Makes sense. You know, like, you know, it's a popular place and (laughs) villains are often from Gotham. So not knowing how to cope with his autism, Arkham scientists administered an experimental treatment, which supposedly cured his autism, but also made him extremely violent. There's even some panels where, you know, he, he doesn't like the feel of cotton, but then he gets, you know, sprayed with water. Or he gets uh, submersed and, and he feels very comfortable. So he's already got kind of some, you know, affiliation with water or something. And they're, they, they probably think with all the Gotham, you know, villains that they deal with in Arkham, like, Oh, it's, he's got some sort of a thing, you know, whatever. Um, so anyway, uh, this made him extremely violent. He killed the scientist that treated him and escaped into a life of crime and piracy. And I just want to point something out. I feel like we've come a long way since 2003 in understanding what autism is, uh, because we're not throwing people into Arkham. And uh, we kind of understand that autism is well, on the spectrum. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been 2003. I mean, it was in 2003, but it's probably talking about like back in the 70s or something like that. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, but yes, you're right. Uh, we, we've uh, hopefully come much further with treating that. And luckily, I don't think a lot of places like Arkham Asylum exist. No, but not many, uh, right? One, one would hope, you know. In the Underworld Unleashed storyline, uh, later in this same continuity, he sold his soul to a demon named Neron or Neron in exchange for power and transformed into a Manta man hybrid creature. Now, I read this issue and it was really interesting. Um, it, you know, Aquaman is going deep into the depths and at first he sees this giant, almost like prehistoric size uh, Manta. And he's like, oh, I don't have any quarrel with you. I'm trying to find somebody. And then he, you know, he kind of swims up and it's clearly black manta but he's a manta creature this is like yeah. straight out of ninja turtles like mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it reminds and, me of uh, what is it it reminds me of man ray from spongebob man ray yeah a little bit like that so he's he's big and formidable but still aquaman's able to kind of take him in a fight he didn't stay in this form very long and eventually aquaman reversed the process but Manta remained a violent criminal. Yeah, and it got Ac- changed because it was a horrible design. Yeah, it was. I mean, he he looked kind of cool, but he lost all of the cool things that m- made him memorable, like his big helmet and his suit yep. and his cool submersible ship. And we'll get to that. But like, yeah, I mean, other than the fact I was like, well, you, but you don't really need um that now there are later on i'm gonna get to some uh some cool hybrid um hybrid humanoid fish creatures <laughs> which which i think <laughs> make up for the lack of the uh, manta guy but but that's a whole nother uh story after the events of brightest day 
which was a storyline in DC, Manta retired. We learned another snippet of his past, however, that was before he was a villain. He and his wife were treasure hunters. That's how he earned his living and his fortune. And while near the Bermuda Triangle, they were both captured by the Zabel, which is uh, one of the uh, Atlantean kingdoms that's kind of near the Bermuda Triangle. They're a water-breathing inhabitants from another dimension because comic books. So they're from another dimension, but they're kind of, but the way to get through them is through the Bermuda Triangle. David Hyde and his wife were tortured and experiments were performed on his pregnant wife, resulting in his son being born with the ability to breathe underwater and other kind of water-based powers. The princess of the Zabel, a future Queen Mera, fearing the worst, took the infant back to Earth into the oceans. Manta had no idea what happened to his son and upon returning to Earth, started his identity as Black Manta. Uh, and his and his wife uh, died uh, soon after the childbirth. So, you know, obviously kind of left a bad taste in his mouth, uh, all this stuff being experimented on. And he was like, I'm going to get all these water breathing uh, people. Um, his son ended up to be uh, Jackson Hyde, who would eventually grow up to be the second Aqualad. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing about that is Jackson Hyde, and the continuity that continuity that we understand now with Aquaman. So that was an alias that Calder Om uses. And so that's just the name he kind of goes by now. And right now, if you are reading current DC books, you know that uh, the Aquaman title right now with future state is following Calder, which is incredible because that character is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Jackson Hyde, aka Calderon is Aquaman in, in a future future state is essentially like a future telling of stuff that happens in the DC universe, which again may or may not, you know, come true, but it's it's kind of like a cool um thing. Anyway, yeah. So DC. That <laughs> yes. So that brings up yeah, right. So we we talked about fixing all the continuity stuff and now they're introducing all this new stuff in the future. I love it. It's fantastic. So that brings us to origin number three. Now, this is going to be from writer Jeff Johns and artist Ivan Rice, uh, which is the most recent iteration that we have and pretty much the definitive origin uh, during the New 52 run, which also influenced the live action movie adaptation. Now, after the events of Flashpoint, again, freaking Barry, the DC Universe rebooted again and Black Manta had a much more solid reason to actually hate Aquaman. It revealed that David Hyde was tasked with retrieving a sample of Arthur Curry's blood to prove whether he was really Atlantean or not. During the attempt, Curry's foster father, Thomas, defended his son, but died from a heart attack in the process. Vowing revenge, young Arthur... Vowing revenge, young Arthur attacked the boat of who he thought David Hyde was, but it actually turned out to be Hyde's father driving the boat. So it turns out that Aquaman accidentally killed him instead. What a twist. Right? David Hyde learned this, and the young men became blood enemies, each responsible for the other father's death. Yeah, and he's not only been featured in the Aquaman comics, but in the most recent years, he's also been featured in Teen Titans as he was been really obsessed with finding his son and later uh he's been in the dc rebirth deathstroke series as a member of the secret society so that's kind of the modern 
incarnation of Black Manta. Let's talk about powers and abilities. Black Manta is a skilled tactical leader, a deadly combatant, and uh, a technical genius, but mostly he's a human who loves the ocean. Manta is most commonly adorned in a black tactical underwater armor that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, okay. Can can we just say this now? This design should not work. It it should yeah. look horrible. It's it ridiculous. should ridiculous. <laughs> it should look so bad. And I know we're going to talk about this when we get to the adaptations. But man, did that suit look cool? Yeah. We'll get to it. Um, so it, this suit allows him to survive extreme temperatures, extreme depths, and it's sealed at the atomic level, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, it's equipped with artificial gills and an oxygen supply that allows him to breathe underwater for an unlimited time, which, which I thought was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, so he's not just, he doesn't just have like four hours. Like he can just go underwater and, and it continues to, he's in it. Like, which makes sense. Um, the suit also allows Manta to increase mobility underwater using diver propulsion mechanism. It also has a grappling line on his right gauntlet, similar to Batman's. Yeah, he's got all he the ha- gadgets. He's got a lot of gadgets. He's basically underwater Batman. That's evil. <laughs> he's <laughs> He's been shown to have a telepathic scrambler to keep Aquaman's underwater telepathy at bay. Manta is also trained in form of martial combat and weapons fighting, often wielding piercing weapons such as knives, daggers, spears, a trident, or a harpoon gun. Manta is, uh, Black Manta is often associated attacking with the plasma beams that shoot out from the helmet's large red eyes. Which look awesome. He also is known for having really cool vehicles such as the Manta Sub. This is built for stealth silence and it's a deadly submersible vehicle it's very fast um it's just as on par as atlantean technology as well and because manta is again a technical genius you know he built all of it himself it's a deadlier nautilus he is affiliated with several teams in the dc universe including the injustice league most notably the legion of doom he's been a member of the suicide squad he was also in the Sinestro Corps, which Great I thought story was kind of cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's been uh, the leader of the anti-Atlantean group Nemo, which is... Hey, there we go. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There's the Nautilus reference for you. Uh-huh. And he was in the Secret Society of Supervillains. Supporting characters that often show up with Manta include his son, Jackson Hyde. This is a more recent storyline. Um, one of the underwater characters that is often kind of associated with Manta is King Shark. Uh, for a street while, shark. not not Street Shark. No, King Shark. You sure? <laughs> his name's, it it kind of looks like a Street Shark. I know he kind of looks like him, but it's King Shark. Okay, great, sure. great character on Harley Quinn. Uh, the Harley Quinn yes, series, by the way, so good in Ron, the cartoon. Ron Funches, Ron Funches is great as King Shark. We got to do it a King Shark. Episode. Yeah, we do. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> So King Shark is often kind of seen as almost like a lackey to Black Manta, but they've had some run-ins in the past as well, where at one point uh, King Shark bit Manta's face off. And huh. um, he uh, he also has been teamed up with uh, Cheetah, one, one of our previous episode uh, focuses in the past. You would think that cats and water don't mix. Yeah, but um, they, they were uh, not not like romantically paired, but, you know, just kind of like, Hey, you two go and take care of this thing. Um, Sinestro is previously mentioned and uh, one of the members of, of Nemo, his second in command named Blackjack. 
Uh, antagonists include, of course, Aquaman, Queen Mera, Jackson Hyde, his son Aqualad, and a group called The Others, which I think you're going to talk to a little bit later. So how did we come to have this amazing underwater pirate techno wizard um, into our DC universe? For that, we go into the archives. Black Manta was created by writer Bob Haney and artist Nick Carty. Robert G. Haney grew up reading comic strips like Prince Valiant and Flash Gordon while growing up in Philadelphia. Following his naval military service during World War II, he earned his master's from Columbia University and set off on a writing career publishing various novels. It wasn't until 1948 he would enter the comic book industry with his first published works, College for Murder and Black Cat 9 from Harvey Comics. Now, this isn't Marvel's Black Cat. We're not talking Felicia Hardy. We're talking right. Harvey Comics. Yeah. From 1948 to 1955, Haney would write for a multitude of publishers, including Standard, Harvey, Hillman, Fawcett, and St. John, mostly covering crime and war stories. During the 1950s, there was a massive anti-comic book movement initiated by German-American psychiatrist and author Frederick Wortham. His book, Seduction of the Innocent, claimed, and I quote, that comic books were a negative form of popular literature and a serious cause of juvenile delinquency. Now, of course, during this time period, if anyone said anything about messing with the minds of youth, American parents jumped all over it, which caused a mass panic over the potential corruption that comic books would have on the minds of America's youth. This led to the United States Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency taking action and sadly led to most of Haney's publishers going out of business in the 50s. At the same time, the U.S. Congress was looking into the comic book industry. As a direct result of the seduction of the innocent sensationalism of comic effects on children, the Comics Code Authority was voluntarily established by publishers in 1954 to self-censor their own titles. Haney would land a job at DC Comics in 1955 with a relationship that would last nearly 30 years. He continued his work on war stories, but would make the leap to superhero villain tales. Alongside artist Lee Elias, Haney created Eclipso in House of Secrets 61 in 1963. He would co-create Negative Man with Arnold Drake and Bruno Premiani, in 1963, in the same issue that would premiere the entire Doom Patrol. Now, when we talk about creators and origins, there's there's sometimes muddled water, which we've talked about in the past. Haney claims to have co-created the entire Doom Patrol alongside Arnold Drake and Bruno Premiani. However, Drake had come out insisting that Haney's only role in associated with the Doom Patrol was co-creating Negative Man. But even if that's the case, Negative Man's a cool character. He's, like, fantastic in Doom Patrol. If you haven't seen the show, so good. In 1964, Haney would co-create the original Teen Titans team. And I'm not talking he created the characters. No, he created the team, which included Dick Grayson, Wally West, and the first Aqualad, Garth. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. Alongside... (laughs) Alongside artist Bruno Premiani in The Brave and the Bold 54, which released in 1964. Nick Carty joined the creative team in issue 60, where Wonder Girl actually joined the team. 
which was also her first appearance. And that character was also co-created by Haney and Premiani. Additional co-creations by Haney at this time include Metamorpho, Enchantress, and Tula, who was one of the Aqua Girls. Now, it was around this time that Haney and Cardi co-created Black Manta. So let's switch gears to our artist. So Nick Cardi was born Nicholas Viscardi in New York City. Drawing started early for Cardi, who attended the Art Students League of New York. He started his comic career at Eisner and Iger around 1940, working for a multitude of publishers on demand, including Flight Comics, Jungle Comics, Kanga Comics, and Wings. All over the place. And if <laughs> you've yeah, and if you've listened to our podcast before, the other issues, you can it's it's crazy how often a lot of these creators started at Eisner and Iger. Yeah. That was like the the groundwork in the beginning. Comics would take a backseat as Cardi would also serve in World War II, earning two Purple Hearts for wounds acquired during his time as tank driver in the Armored Cavalry. During this time, he would actually win an art contest where he designed a patch. And guess what it was, Lance? What? A snarling Black Panther. Of course. Kind of like our, our last issues. Yep. <laughs> uh, following the war in 1950, Cardi did some advertising art and covers for crossword puzzle magazines and various periodicals, as well as a black and white Tarzan comic strip. 1950 would also serve as the start of Cardi's long-term association with DC Comics, initially working on titles like Gangbusters and Tomahawk. In 1962, he would begin drawing the first 39 issues of Aquaman. As previously mentioned, Cardi would join Haney on the Teen Titans self-titled spinoff series in issue one, 1966 and with pencil or ink at times both all 43 issues of the series that's amazing that's so much work <laughs> that's a lot important side note here neil adams was actually brought on to rewrite and redraw a cardi drawn teen titan story which had originally been written by lynn ween and marv wolfman which was called titans fit the battle of jericho which would have introduced dc's first african-american superhero named jericho but was rejected by publisher Carmine Infantino. The story would later run in Teen Titans issue 20, with Jericho's name being changed to Joshua. Wolfman would later create a new character altogether named Jericho in New Teen Titans. How, how crazy is that? That just like a decision, just like, no, we're not going to include that, changed the, the first black superhero for DC. Yeah. Haney and Cardi would co-create and debut Black Manta in an issue 35 of Aquaman in 1967. Which brings us to the pull list. We have a couple suggestions of essential storylines, issues, and graphic novels that Black Manta has appeared in, not just in the Aquaman comics, but in a couple of different things. So um, I have kind of two things to start off with Lance. The first one is probably what sort of defines the character as a essential and uh, one of Aquaman's most formidable villains, which is a story in adventure comics 452 in 1977 called murder most foul. Now this is 10 years after Manta was introduced. 
Um, this issue was also seminal because Manta had captured Arthur's son, Arthur Jr., also known as Aquababy. Yes. <laughs> yes, that sounds right, about right. Uh, and, and forced Aquaman to fight Aqualad to the death in order to free his son. Arthur, a.k.a. Aquaman, couldn't kill Aqualad. Therefore, Manta suffocated uh, Aquababy, Arthur Jr., in an oxygen bubble, which killed him because he could only breathe water. Yikes. So Black Manta killed a baby. <laughs> that's that's like this would, the way you just go to the top of villainy list is that. Yeah, and, and he killed Aquaman's son. This would lead to the breakdown of Aquaman's marriage to Queen Mera and an eventual hatred between Aquaman and Black Manta. But this was also the first issue where Manta removed his helmet for the first time, revealing himself to be David Hyde, a black human male who claimed he wanted to make Atlantis a new home for his people. And now I say black human male because, you know, at this point he could have been Martian. He could have been an alien. He could have been Kryptonian. I mean, there was a lot of different things he could be. And keep in mind, this is the seventies. So, you know, we talked about in the last issue in the seventies, black Panther is kind of uh, the comics in the late seventies being drawn by Jack Kirby. So I think, I'm I'm really curious if when they came up with Black Manta, if they were like, oh, this is this is going to be a black man or if 10 years went by and they were like, hey, let's let's have him take off his helmet and he's going to be a black man because that's that would be a, an interesting, you know, choice right now. I, I, like I never found the the answer to that. And, yeah, I, you know, if it's out there, if anybody knows like what the choice was, um, I I think that would be really interesting to, to find. But anyway, in this issue, Black Manta, after taking off his helmet, says he wants to make Atlantis a new home for, quote, his people because of the persecution and oppression of African-Americans on the surface world. Pretty compelling stuff in the late 70s. If you think about it, yep. you know, it's, it kind of makes sense. Um, later, this was kind of not really referenced it was sort of written out and it, it's it was more about uh, the personal hatred between Aquaman and Black Manta. But at the time, you know, it, it it's kind of interesting that that was um, that was brought up. And that's why he called himself Black Manta, because he was a black man. Uh, moving on to Aquaman number 29 and 30. Um, black Manta. This is this is the Black Manta was a Manta Man hybrid. It's got very sloppy, rushed 90s art, kind of thin line art, bright colors, loose designs, bad anatomy, um, kind of a, a really early J. Scott Campbell style. Yeah. You know? So so the 90s. Yeah, the 90s. Yeah, you know, the 90s. Um, it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. Um, I already mentioned, you know, I kind of liked Manta's design uh, in this, although that other than being a fish man, it's not really worth reading. So don't really recommend that one, but I do re recommend it, it unless you want to see Manta as a Manta man, which, which, which you absolutely should just, just flip just, through the pages. And and we'll, we'll post some pictures on Instagram of, of him as well, because it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting take. Uh, what's your, what's your next pull? So I have green arrow volume three issues, three and four. Now this is the green arrow run written by Kevin Smith. So you know it's going to be bonkers. The The writing is really quippy and funny. Uh, this is during that time period where Oliver Queen has just magically come back from the grave and no one really understands what's going on. 
And so there's there's a lot of questions among all of the superheroes because everyone's basically seeing Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, live as if it were act or acting like it was 10 or 15 years prior to all of this and all this the world has moved on and he has not for some reason anyway this the storyline it doesn't have a lot of black manta but what it does have is hilarious uh so basically uh green arrow catches black manta trying to smuggle cocaine uh to atlantis and my first thought was can you even use cocaine yeah, underwater it just float away exactly wouldn't it just dissipate or ruin it i I mean i guess if if it was a high enough concentration it would like everyone would be affected in a certain radius but uh maybe manta was gonna concentrate it somehow or maybe just use it in the helmet yeah or use it in the helmet. well i mean or maybe he would just transport it underwater to other nations like yeah maybe he was just smuggling it to make money all over the place maybe that's who knows anyway it was it was weird um kevin smith ladies and gentlemen it's kevin smith it's like <laughs> but one of my favorite moments is so aquaman comes up during the encounter between green arrow and black manta and so aquaman and black manta start fighting and then, and then in their in their tussle it kind of looks like black manta has the upper hand and uh arthur stops or aquaman stops fighting and black manta says something he's like like why are you looking like that or he says he says something quippy and then all of a sudden aquaman just says thwack and black manta's like what and then it just shows an arrow going through black manta's helmet and it, oh. in, in just in the fashion of like old time we you know there's always the sounds and so it's literally thwack thwack is written yeah, yeah. on the panel <laughs> it, it, that part just made me laugh so That's hard good. Um, it Kevin, made, Kevin it, Smith being a little meta. Yeah, I <laughs> I loved it. I need to read that entire run now because it's really funny. So yeah, just issues three and four. There again, there's not a lot of Black Manta, but what there is, it, it's just really fun. My second poll is more of the definitive story that we have now from uh, Jeff Johns, along with artists Ivan Rice and Joe Prado where we get the storyline, The Others, in Aquaman 7 through 13. And this is volume 7 of Aquaman, if you're interested, during the 2000, circa 2012. Now, in this storyline, you you learn a lot more about both Aquaman and Black Manta. You find how uh, Aquaman was not very caring of humans in general. You learn how he was betrayed by uh, Dr. Shin, who, which eventually led to the death of ev- like the most important people in, in Arthur's life at that time, uh, leading him to exile, going into the ocean instead of living among humans. You, you get to see how Dr. Shin, um, he, he wants to prove that Arthur is Atlantean. He's worked with Arthur and Arthur's father, um, kind of growing up and teaching Arthur how to use his powers and communicating with the ocean life and things like that. And so the Dr. Shin wants credit for it. And uh, Arthur's father won't let him. He's like, no, we're not going public with this. We're just trying to help him understand his powers. And so Dr. Shin hires uh, Black Manta to come in and get a blood sample of Arthur, which then leads to that confrontation where 
Arthur's father. So it's, it's his father or it's his like foster father. Like there's times where it kind of gets flipped. So I'm trying to remember specifically. Yeah. It's, it's his foster father, Thomas, and they fight. And then he has a heart during the altercation. He has a heart attack and, you know, Arthur comes in um, and it's like, what are you doing? And he's like, Arthur, uh," you know, and he, and he dies in the process. So Manta doesn't directly kill him, but sort of because of the fight, he, he has a heart attack and dies. Yep. Which then leads to Arthur trying to find black Manta. He finds the ship. He kills who he thinks is black Manta, but it turns out it's just his black Manta's father. Cause as soon as he's dead, the next panel is black Manta coming out of the water and just being like dad. And so there's just this, there's this miscommunication. So you see how Arthur isn't, Arthur isn't afraid to cross that killing people line. He does it quite frequently in, in his early on. This is a younger Aquaman who who doesn't have like the, the moral compass that he has later. And it should also be said that like it, it, in this storyline, Manta's dad was sort of like the, the driver uh, or the, the, the boat. What am I trying to say? The boat pilot. He He's was sort the we- of the, the wheels of the boat. <laughs> he, he would drive the ship and then Manta would be the diver for these missions, whether it was like surveying missions or something like that. So they worked together. So that's Manta already had his suit and everything like that. I don't know if they were officially established as like pirates, but they definitely did some criminal activity. Yeah. And that's what led Dr. Shin to, to hire him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So he obviously had, um, you know, affiliation with, um, being some, doing some bad stuff. And, uh, and this caused them to have this like blood, you know, hate relationship mm-hmm. for each other. And, and then the rest of the story is pretty much a further dive into both their backstories. They're trying to find these relics of Atlantis. Uh, and there's this, like national treasure. Yeah. Underwater. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the others also have, each of them have, uh, an Atlantean item because they were, uh, like a former team they were never officially a team but they they were it's they were a team and they kind of broke up those relics and then the storyline f- revolves around black manta trying to find the seventh relic and it's a mm. pretty fun story i love the art throughout the entire series really good writing and and again like that black manta design shouldn't work but it looks so good yeah that art is really cool and the new 52 they they definitely gave some love to, to Aquaman, which I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that he's, he had some, uh, a new creative team and Jeff Johns is, is, is up there. My next recommendation for a poll is during the rebirth series, uh, Aquaman rebirth number one, um, which includes Aquaman. It's Aquaman volume eight is like eighth version of his story. And it's, uh, issues one through 15, which is called the drowning so following the events of DC Universe Rebirth, David Hyde still finds himself obsessed with destroying Aquaman, although which elements of his backstory hold true at this point remain unknown. So when Aquaman opens up the Atlantean embassy, Manta posed as a reporter and infiltrated it kind of using like a, you know, image inducing kind of thing. He looks like this old, you know, crinkly reporter. And he plants explosives and ends up killing a bunch of humans and Atlanteans alike in the embassy. Manta and Aquaman battle it out and Aquaman, you know, calling out that their fighting is pointless and they, they're almost like beating each other to death. And at one point, uh, Aquaman kind of stops and he's like, fine, if you want to kill me, if you think that's going to make make things better, then kill me. And, and Manta's like, 
if I, if you kill me, you know, uh, it's your, your rage is going to be, uh, endless and it's not going to stop. But if you don't kill me, then I'm going to keep trying to kill you either way. I win. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. this, it's this great, like defining character moment. And Aquaman says, okay, we'll just kill me. And Manta is ready to do it with his, with Aquaman's trident. And he stops and he can't do it. He just kind of loses his nerve and he turns himself in. So then on his way to prison, the anti-Atlantean group, uh, N E M O or Nemo, um, recruits Manta. They kind of break him out of the, the truck on the way to prison and they recruit him. And, um, um, Manta is brought to their leader who's known as the Fisher King. And Manta kind of sees like, Oh, you're in charge of all these people. You've got this whole kind of underground you're, mercenary you're army things. So he goes up to the Fisher King and kills him and sits down on his throne is like, all right, let's this get is started. Now. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's just like, you're like, Ooh, the Fisher King, a new villain. Oh, nope. Okay. Nope. nope <laughs> so done. I love that. They, they're That's setting great. up this whole thing. And they set mm-hmm. up in the issues before, like, you're going to meet the Fisher King. And it's like this, but Manta just straight up like shifts him. And he's like, all right, let's get started. And he starts calling himself the Fisher King, mm-hmm. um, and using the organization of Nemo. And it kind of, you don't see him for a little bit, but then uh, later um, you have kind of like a follow up where he starts using. Um, so this is the next storyline, which is uh, Black Manta Rising. Um, and that's an Aquaman after Rebirth uh, issues 11 through 15. And this is a great, great run. I, I like this one even more, but you kind of have to read the first one to, to make sense of it. So uh, Black Manta frames Aquaman under the guise of being the Fisher King using the power of nemo with me so far uh and the u.s basically goes to war with atlantis um he frames aquaman for like trying to destroy a bunch of stuff and saying aquaman's responsible for the bombing of the embassy and for all these other things and the justice league comes to bring uh in aquaman but they talk to him they're like hey you're our friend are you going through some stuff? Let's talk. Let me talk you to got, the president. You got some problems, friend? Let me talk to the secretary of state. Let's see. Let's, you know, and Aquaman's like, I didn't do this. There's somebody else. I don't know who it is. Uh, let me, give me some time to try to clear my name. And so the justice league goes back to the secretary of state and, uh, and talks to them and they're like, no, no, we want to bring him in and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, meanwhile, the secretary of state hires, um, this U S Marines, uh, kind of strike force augmented to breathe underwater cross mutated with sea creatures i told you that we were going to bring it back <laughs> more uh, fish and, people and they are called great white barracuda lion stone octo and orca and they are known as the aquamarines oh my gosh. <laughs> which is a great <sighs> name it's a great name it's a super team of a super team of u.s military underwater augmented and they can kind of like look like humans but then they can kind of like you know morph themselves i want to see them again they're they're, they look awesome so they have a great fight uh with with aquaman they're trying to like you know take out atlantis and stuff and they're causing problems then then aquaman finds out that you know manta's behind it he goes in there no actually he doesn't find out that manta's behind it but he finds out where nemo is so Aquaman finds out where Nemo is and he jumps in and there's this panel right before uh, one of the issue ends and he's like leaping towards it and he sees Manta and he says, well, that makes sense. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> and then it jumps to the next issue. It's a great cliffhanger. He's like, oh, <laughs> well, that makes sense. And uh, and so then he has a great fight with uh, Black Manta 
Um, the other thing I like about this is it shows President Obama, who was president at the time, um, uh, making appearance at the very end where Aquaman, after having neutralized the threat, uh, comes in and talks with Obama and he's like, you know, uh, this was not our fault, but we'll take the blame and we will not, um, you know, we're, we're not going to go to war with you. And we're, you know, th- this is, this was Black Manta's thing, but um, you basically like, we're going to take your, your rules and, and we're going to do what you want us to do. And, and, and Obama has a press conference with them and everything like that. So I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. It's like neat to see like the, the president. Um, so I thought it was a fun storyline. Uh, I love the, the Aquamarines. I like Manta being, um, in charge of Nemo having this like, you know, organization behind him and it and blackjack is a cool, like second in command. So I thought it was really fun for sure. Yeah. The, the idea of just, just walking in there, stabbing, and just be like, "This is mine now." Yeah, that that's, was that's that ba- was such that's very that Black Manta. That's yeah, amazing. That was, that was such a good moment. Um, uh, another recommendation I'm going to make: it's not it, Black Manta is not the sole focus of this, but if you want to see probably one of my favorite artistic interpretations of Black Manta, you can just look it up. Um, is the 2005 miniseries Justice which is by Alex Ross and Jim Kruger, the art by the amazing Alex Ross. Um, and if you haven't read Kingdom Come or Justice, this one is amazing. It's 12 issues. Um, you can find it in a trade paperback. And it is worth it just to look at the art. Every DC hero and villain is in this. It's an amazing uh, story. But the the issues of Black Manta, which he appears in the first issue, and I want to say a little bit later with the Legion of Doom, um, it's just really cool to see Manta both with his helmet and without um, in this sort of hyper real painted Alex Ross style. So that's uh, it was really cool to, to see that. So just look up the panels. We'll, we'll try to put some online as well. Uh, let's, let's move on to grail finds. Lance, do you have anything? So I don't own any black Manta related comics, but doing research for this issue, I had a blast learning about this character. And so I wanted to look up how much, his first appearance is going for. And surprisingly, it's actually affordable. It's like there's, if you looked on recently sold in, in comics, in comics terms. Yeah. It's yes. Uh, like for, for first appearances for major characters like this, very affordable. So we're, we're talking, you don't have to be saving up for months to afford it. Like if you, if you have some, if you have a couple hundred bucks lying around, you can, you can snag his first appearance like right now. As of this recording, what was the price? So I I looked online and the cheapest available right now on eBay was 160. Oh, it's not bad. No, and it's like you're gonna you're gonna find a very for a 1967 of yeah. comic. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's for awesome. First appearance, great cover of and the cover is amazing because it has Aquaman fighting both a Black Manta and Ocean Master. It, it the colors look um, fantastic. It's it's a key issue. So. I'm shocked it's not even more. I'm sure it spiked when Aquaman 2 was out. And Mm -hmm. then it's probably just kind of finding its way back down to where it was before. So I'll probably jump on that just because I love the cover. Very big fan of the character now. And uh, it's just another great piece to add to the collection. So my grail find is literally something I'm going to go find. (laughs) Probably by the time you listen to this, uh, Lance will have bought that that comic most likely yes. um the uh, the grail find i have is is the only 
uh, graphic novel that I have that has Black Manta in it, which is I'm holding this up through the the video here so Lance can see. It's called Aquaman uh, Kingdom Lost, and um, it it's it's not my favorite. I didn't pull it put it in the pull list because I think the art is kind of weird. It's I don't know. It's just it's some of the faces and anatomy is kind of weird. Black Manta's in it, um, but he's not in it a lot. He's kind of like towards the end. Here's a shot of Black Manta. Yes, for for the people that can't see this through the podcast format, he looks very cool. Yeah, so he's like the coolest part of this, and he's, you know, but but again, he's not like in it all all the time. He just kind of shows up here and there as like causing trouble, but he's he's not even like the main villain, um, even though he's on the cover. <laughs> but uh, oh, here's King Shark. Yeah. Uh, anyway, King Shark. So there we go. King Shark. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I have, I have kingdom lost. It's okay. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not my, my favorite graphic novel, but I what, what a grail. Yeah. It's not a great, it's not a great grail. Fine. It's just something, it's just that something I own. you own. So less of a grail, just more of, I own it. it. I didn't want to say, well, I don't have anything, but because I, you know, have something there you go. with black Manta, but that's, that. there you go. He looks really cool. It's not a great Aquaman story. It's an okay black man. Sometimes you just get you just get comics to for the art. Sometimes you yeah. don't need to read the words. Guilty, guilty. Yep. Hey, let's take a little break and we'll be back in a few minutes. Hey there, I'm Chris from the Geek P Podcast here with my two co-hosts, Trent. What up? And Brandon. Yo, yo. Here at the Geek Peak, we strive to provide you the best content from all across the pop culture multiverse. Think of us as your content concierge, seeking out all the best movies, TV, games, and music to save your valuable time. We have a different adult beverage every week, and we like to keep things light and fresh, so come hang out with us. So check us out on all your favorite podcasting platforms. That's Geek Peak. Like a mountain! And check out our site at geekpeakpod.com. Everybody, this is Chris. Lance and I are excited that Comic Book Keepers is part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. But did you know that there are other geeky podcasts that you can listen to? There totally are! Such as the anime fantasticness of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, the hilarious DD actual play adventures of Knights of the Roll Table, which I'm on. But we also have some new baby brothers in our podcast family. Explore the vast universe of geekdom with Geek Exploration, or talking animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. So check those out today. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. Hey, Lance. Uh, did you know that the best way to support us is to leave a rating and review? It is? It is. A five-star rating goes a long way on Apple Podcasts, and a review about what you liked in each episode does so much more. We hope you enjoy the show as much as we love making it. And I'm reading this little script that we wrote out, but we honestly do hope that you love listening to the show and let us know in the comments when you leave a review, like what characters you want to hear more. Let us know which issues you liked. Uh, let us know how you found out about the show. Um, we definitely read all the reviews. We love hearing reviews and reading reviews. So definitely, um, yeah, leave, leave us a review and let us know what you think and let us know who you want to hear about more in future issues. And it, it definitely works to message us because we are actually going to be recording a 
issue for a character next month that was uh, promoted by or requested by one of the comments in our app iTunes review. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's a little Easter egg for you. You can go through the reviews and try to guess who it is. <laughs> uh, you can find us on social media in several places. We are on Twitter at CBK cast using the hashtag CBK cast with your what if ideas or any questions or comments that you have about anything we discuss in the show. You can find us on Instagram at CBK cast where we'll have images from the comic, uh, including artwork from throughout the series of the characters that we talk about. Comic book keepers is also hosted by the geekly grind. Stop by the Geekly Grind for all things geeky from comics, anime, and manga to board games, video games, RPGs, and more. Take a break from your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. And don't forget to check out the composer of our theme song, Arcane Anthems. Our good friend Weston makes royalty-free music for tabletop role-playing games, campaigns, streams, and podcasts. Check out his amazing work at Arcane Anthems on Twitter, TikTok, as well as getting all of his music available for free on his Patreon at Arcane Anthems. Now back to the issue. Black Manta. Of course, Aquaman. I might have known you'd be fool enough to try to stop me. And stop him is just what I'll do. I've got Aquaman right where I want him. Black Manta is trying to ram me. I've got to jump for it. I got him. Something stopped my engines. And now I'm going to stop you. All right, we're going to talk about some adaptations of Black Manta. And like a lot of the DC villains that we've talked about previously, there are quite a few. And uh, Black Manta uh, goes back um, quite a bit. So uh, we're going to we're going to talk about as many of these as we can quickly. And we're going to spend some extra time on the movie adaptation because that is particularly uh, pretty awesome. So I'll start off first. We're going to kind of go back and forth now. We're, We're kind of taking a taking turns going back and forth a little bit. It's a little bit of a new, new format. So hopefully, hopefully y'all like that. Um, we're going to start off with TV animation. So black Manta has made appearances in a couple of notable shows as main characters or main character appearances. He was in the Superman Aquaman hour of adventure, which sounds awesome. I have never seen it. Nope. But (laughs) Superman Aquaman had a show apparently at some point he was in the all new super friends hour voiced by Ted Knight. And the and I have seen this next one, which we've talked about previously with Cheetah is the challenge of the super friends. He was voiced by Ted Cassidy and they gave him this kind of like warbly underwater, you know, filters like I can't even do it, but um, it was (laughs) great. It was. Yeah, Uh, he was also in Justice League Unlimited, but this one, this is really interesting. He was in Justice League Unlimited, but he wasn't called Black Manta. He was called Devil Ray. And this was because at the time they were making an Aquaman TV pilot in the early 2000s. So they couldn't get the name, even though it was owned by the same Warner Brothers company. But uh, they were like, well, we can't use Black Manta because they're making a pilot. So we're going to call him Devil Ray. (laughs) Why can't they just call him Manta? Uh, You know, who knows? So he was voiced by Michael Beach during uh, several episodes of Justice League Unlimited. Uh, Manta was also in a couple episodes of uh, Batman, the Brave and the Bold, which features some really fun uh, appearances of several characters. He was uh, in notably in the uh, episode called Evil Under the Sea, voiced by one of your favorites, Kevin Michael Richardson. Yep. 
He was also in the Music Meister episodes. If you want to see Black Manta sing, that's kind of fun. He is heavily featured in the amazing animated show Young Justice, which I've talked about before, and it's great. Uh, He's prominently featured in season two as the father of Aqualad or Calderon, and both of them are voiced by Kari Payton. Yes, Kari Payton. (laughs) Which is our fourth, I believe, critical role voiceover connection from comics to critical role. We're going to get them all. We're going to get them all like Pokemon. He is voiced in the Harley Quinn animated show on HBO max uh, voiced by Phil Lamar. Yep, Another um, fan favorite. Kind of a, kind of a comedic take. Uh, Harley Quinn is, it's a really funny, if not super violent, uh, f- fun show, but I, I love what they do with the villains. So good. Um, with uh, it, it, it's very funny. It's kind of like a Rick and Morty meets the DC universe. Black Manta has often been picked on or parodied in such shows as Robot Chicken, The Venture Brothers, um, even SpongeBob SquarePants did a little parody Ray. on him. Yeah, Man Ray. Um, uh, Doctor, uh, the Monarch was um, often mentioned as being based on Black Manta in terms of like his sort of demeanor and whatnot, which I don't see, but but I guess in the original incar- incarnation, like that that was kind of a thing so and, and i think a lot of people pick on him because of his look you know because he's just this kind of ridiculous thing and challenge of the super friends he's got this big like you know pointed oval kind of thing <laughs> on his head and he he looks silly and you, like you said like it shouldn't work but um but then we go to some 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 more recent interpretations where they make him into this really formidable uh you know intimidating villain so let's. Uh, what do you have for uh, live action TV? So we have, of course, d- this time period. Anything that was DC related live action, we're, you're going to go to Smallville, just yep. because that's where you are getting your live Somebody action DC characters. Me. I love Smallville so much. It's so good. There was too much. It was too much. It, it's it's like, all the much. It, I wanted more. It made me more. mad that you never saw Superman until the very end. And even he, then, you, he you opened didn't even his, see him. Yeah, he he had the suit. But you, but oh, yeah. you saw I'm, all these other I'm heroes. So you never saw Superman. We, we we're all bitter about that. <sighs> and then Such a did you did you see? Yeah, did you see like the massive like crossover that they did for the yeah. CW? Just and then just showing showing Clark back on the farm for like Smallville. Yeah, I was kind of sad but loved it at the same exact time because that was very much that clark to me that that's something mm-hmm. that he would have done so i yeah. loved it so. anyway going back to what we're talking about so there was an black episode manta. of yeah black manta so in smallville uh, black manta was just referred to as manta in the episode prophecy and then mm, and i think he was he was sent by somebody to kill Aquaman who again was on the series because there was kind of a sort of a justice league it, it on Smallville. Cool. Yeah. They had, they had Aquaman, they had cyborg, they had flash. Um, they had green arrow. Yeah. And I, I, I but, can't think, but it wasn't, but it wasn't the green arrow and flash from no, that would go different. on to be on no. their own show. It was mm-hmm. like different, completely different universe. <sighs> yep. Anyway, so the the other well, we kind of have this next one. So there was a a, a pilot made for an Aquaman series, yeah. and I believe it was also made by the create was it the creators or 
It was going to be the from the creators of Smallville. Okay, so and they were going to take that character that played Aquaman from Smallville uh, to be in his own show. Yeah. It was meant to be a spinoff. Except, right? except it makes no sense to do that because they they grabbed the actor. Um, so they had cast Justin Hartley as Aquaman, but he played Green Arrow in Smallville. <laughs> so yep. it was just like, yeah. So we made Smallville. So now we're gonna spin off into this direction with Aquaman. Oh, awesome! So you're gonna take Alan uh, Richson and uh, bring him over to to do the series. Oh no, we're taking Green Arrow and making him Aquaman. So like zero sense. But don't worry because Alan went on to be a hawk in DC's Titans, which is also another awesome show to just enjoy. Uh, anyway, so, but <laughs> yeah, so Aquaman uh, or its other title, Mercy Reef, uh, had uh, Ving Rhames cast as a character called McCaffrey, who was a lighthouse keeper, but he was going to be somehow tied to the character of Manta. Yeah, Ving Rhames would have been awesome. Yeah. A- and I could have seen him as a mantic. I mean, he's got the you know deep voice. Yeah, he was he's fantastic. Next, we're going to talk about the uh, live action film. So Aquaman 2018 uh, Manta was played by Yaha Abdul Mateen II, uh, who is a really cool actor and doing a little bit more research into him. I didn't realize like he was um, uh, not only Black Manta, David Kane in the Aquaman movie, but he was also most recently in a movie called The Trial of the Chicago Seven, which Mm -hmm. um, is is uh, on Netflix right now. And supposedly it might be nominated for a couple of Academy Awards. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, he was also in the, the, the show, the HBO series Watchmen, and he actually won an Emmy award uh, for best supporting actor in that. Um, and he was also in the Candyman movie, uh, the remake um, as kind of like the main character of that. So really cool actor. And um, I, I didn't realize he had done so much, but he, he kind of looked familiar. And I was like, what has he been in? you know, looking into him. So um, he is also set to return in multiple installments. He'll definitely be back in the DC extended universe somehow. I don't know where yeah, they're we'll, going. We'll see Aquaman what, two. I, I hope. Don't. I mean, the, yeah. So there, um, there are plans for Aquaman two, but we'll kind of, yeah. we'll see how it's, things go. DC, DC universe movies are, it's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's, like the comics. It's just like the comics. Don't, don't, yeah. don't get too like, I'm not going to worry about it. In origins or adaptations or, or, or side, what continuity side makes or sense. How many jokers there are. No, don't worry about it. Just go with it. Just enjoy. But here's what I liked about the movie, uh, about Black Manta in the movie. I think they nailed it. They like, I think Black, Black Manta, more than any character in that movie, was the one that was like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Yep. Plastic <laughs> yes. lasers out your giant eyes. Yep. Yes, queen. Yes. He he was so good. They, they gave him a great origin, kind of pulling from the Jeff Johns comics of like his father. And he was a, a you know, a really cool, intimidating uh, pirate, you know, and, uh, you know, invading stuff kind of a modern day techno pirate. And then, you know, he learns early on, like Aquaman stops him and he, and he Aquaman's kind of indirectly responsible for his dad dying because he doesn't save his dad. And he's like, you deserve it. And he leaves. And then, and then so Manta from right from the very beginning, he's like, I'm going to kill this dude. I'm going to kill Aquaman and ocean master. Who's the main villain of the movie um, is the one who hired him to take on that, uh, you know, that, 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 to destroy the sub 
um, meets him on an island and he's like, I'm going to give you some cool technology. You can have these soldiers and you can kind of, you know, take this stuff and this will actually, these are weapons that can hurt Aquaman. And he's like, cool. And then he takes this prototype weapon and suit and he deconstructs it all because he's black Manta and he's a, you know, he's really smart and he builds this new suit um, using this gun who it's like shoots the top of a mountain up apart and he turns it into his helmet. And there's this great little, there's a great little moment during the, during the montage where he's building his suit and um, they're playing like Depeche mode and everything. And it's, it's really fun. Um, but he's constructing his helmet similar to the design of the original comics with like the little tube sticking out of it and it's metal and it overheats and the plasma lasers go off and he, kind of gets under the table and he and he <laughs> stands up and he's like i'm gonna need a bigger helmet <laughs> and, and it's this great little wink to the fans and it shows that they really just love this character they recognize that the design is weird but he's still a completely intimidating character so uh and when he finally you know he jumps up in i think it's greece or or mm-hmm. malta or uh, sicily sicily yeah when he jumps up in you know with the jet pack and he makes that first appearance and he's, he's just, Oh man, it's, it's such a cool fight. And it, it, he's, he's only in the film, you know, maybe for what, like 10 minutes as black Manta. But, um, and then the little teaser at the end is definitely sets him up for like, yeah, he's going to be back for more. So I can't wait to see black Manta, hopefully even more yeah, with, put, with put, a Manta sub. Mm-hmm. Put him as like, like the main antagonist. Just because, yeah, um, yeah, because I'm I love the actor that was Ocean Master. He's been in so many good movies like he was mm -hmm. in Watchmen too. like Mm -hmm. he was in Watchmen. Like he's done great things. Oh, man, I could not stand him as Ocean Master. (laughs) But but I could not get enough of Black Manta. That that design is so unbelievably one comic accurate and two, like the proportions work perfectly. It. Like, yeah, they they really it all the armor kind of worked to balance out certain things. They gave him the javelin, which, you know, shot out and sort of like had the plasma beam that kind of shocked him. And, you know, they they gave him all the all these little like the the blade that was made from Atlantean steel, which was kind of lightweight and it could hurt Aquaman. And um and, and they they also did something which I hadn't in, in all of the research for the character, I didn't actually see, which they gave him that sort of Tony Stark uh, heads up display from inside of the helmet with like sort of the red lens. And that kind of shows like, okay, this is what David Hyde is seeing and he's seeing all these stats and stuff. So he basically kind of rebuilt this helmet on the inside, you know, um, very cool. Very, I mean, you can tell that James Wan who uh, directed it, um, you know, loves this character and was like, we're going to make this character cool. And there's a really fun video on YouTube, which maybe we'll link in the comments or in the uh, show notes uh, of uh, Abdul Mateen um, talking about Black Manta. And he's like kind of showing off all the stuff. And he's 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 really excited about the character. And he's he's tell, talking all about it. It's like a behind the scenes special. It's probably on the DVD. Um, so I definitely look up that because it's, it's kind of cool to see an actor that's like really into being this villain. It, it comes across um, cause he crushes it. 
Yeah. So uh, if if you're going to watch Aquaman movie, if you haven't watched the Aquaman movie, watch it for Black Manta. It's 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 amazing. Uh, and then the last or let's move on to um, feature length animation appearances. So we have uh, Justice League Throne of Atlantis, where he is voiced by Harry Lennox. And then we move on to the Superman Batman public enemies, which is like a really popular uh, comic book run uh, that was out for a while. Then we have Justice League makes Fla- an appearance in that. Mm-hmm. Then we have the Justice League Flashpoint Paradox, uh, JLA Adventures Trapped in Time. And of course, you can't go too long without having anything Lego related. So then there's the Lego <laughs> Justice League Attack of the Legion of Doom. I think we can just say like every DC character is in the Lego yeah. movie mm-hmm. and also in Injustice too. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty much just every DC character and other DC and other characters um, are in Injustice and Lego movie. Um, I will say that uh, the Flashpoint Paradox is the one that deals with like Flashpoint. And there's a really fun fight between Manta and Batman, who in Flashpoint is actually Thomas Wayne. Um, and it's so it's Flash, Batman and Manta and and Manta's like just on land and Batman Thomas Wayne is like jumping around, like shooting at him. And and also Grifter is there like yeah. <laughs> from Wildstorm because they own Wildstorm. And, and I was like, yeah. what is Grifter doing? Uh-huh. There? Oh, my gosh. It's like J- and, Jimmy's and he, catch cashing that check. Yeah. And, and like and he's talking to he's talking to Batman and. And he's like, hey, you're pretty cool, Batman. And Batman's like, yeah. And then he, Batman gets shot while he's talking to Grifter. I, it's, I was like, what the heck? You know, but Manta is a really, has a really cool design in that movie. Sorry, we get, we get we're sidetracking a lot in this episode. We get um, sidetracked. Don't, don't, don't judge us for our ADHD. Okay, video games. Uh, he was prominently featured in Aquaman Battle for Atlantis. I have no idea if it's good. Let us know if it, if it is. Uh, guess what? He was in Lego Batman 2, DC superheroes. <laughs> uh, he was also now he was also in Young Justice Legacy. Now I want to point this one out because I've been watching Young Justice on HBO Max, and in between season one and two, there is a five-year gap. And there's some things that are kind of like, whoa, what 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 happened? Like, what's happening? Like characters are gone, there's new characters. And what I didn't know is at the time they came out with this Young Justice Legacy is a video game, but it also fills the storyline in canon for what happens between season one and two, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I had to like, I had to look it up and I was like, what happens between season one of two of young justice? (laughs) And eventually they, eventually they do explain stuff like in flashbacks and then conversations and whatnot, you know, but being like the, I need to know it now, you know, spoiler warnings be damned. Um, I looked it up and it was like, Oh, there's a video game. And you know, I, I'm not going to play it. I don't think you can play it anymore, but um, it was, it, it's kind of interesting. So, and so they Kari Payton voices him in that as well. And they kind of show how Calderon goes, goes undercover and you know, all this, but anyway, uh, he's in DC universe online. He's in Lego Batman three beyond Gotham because of course he is. And he's also in, Injustice and Injustice 2. Now, moving on to the toys, we have the DC Collectibles Essentials, which just looks amazing uh, because there is like a a silver helmet uh, Mm -hmm. version of the character, which looks awesome. Yeah. 
Then we have the DC multiverse figures, which is essentially like the, there's a movie version, which has a lot of details, has really cool sword. Uh, and it's just overall like a, a great design. Yeah. We don't talk about toys too much, but this is the design of this character is one that like, I think translates you know, very you well. Definitely. You should definitely have a black Manta figure on your, on your mantle with your, all your other toys and stuff like that. He just, it's a, such a striking design. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those things like I, I've been looking at the toys like, oh, I think I'm going to get that on Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I think what, what I'll do is when I once I hunt down Aquaman 35, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll snag the one of those figures and then I'll put up like in just one of my bookshelves. Yep. I'll just have the book set up and the figure. Here you go. It's time for what if. What, what? what? Each issue we do what nerds do best, we share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. And this week, we thought we'd we'd talk about uh, who we would want Black Manta to face off against. So, what water-based hero or villain should Black Manta fight? I'm going to make this real easy, Lance. Uh, I'm picking Katara from Avatar The Last Airbender. She is a waterbender from the Southern Water Tribe. She, uh, by the end of the series in season three, she's still kind of young, but, but she is a water bending master and she can, you know, turn things into ice and she can turn things and whip water and she's got water whip and she's got healing abilities. She is a force. She can blood bend. She is a force of nature and she would mop the floor with black Manta, you know, as many cool gadgets as, I think it would be a fun fight. I mean, it's human versus Bender, but like, you know, he he is he he's gonna put up a fight as well. So I think it would be a really fun fight to see, like uh, both of them throw down. Absolutely. And, and Katara's is a great character. Who do you have? So I have uh, Shoto Todoroki. So he is a character from the manga and anime My Hero Academia, and his power is kind of cold, like half half hot, half cold or half cold, half hot, whichever order you want to put it. I don't even know which one specifically. Anyway, basically uh, half of his body, he's able to control uh, ice and create ice. And the other side, he can use uh, fire, but he doesn't like to use the fire because his father is the one with the fire abilities and he doesn't like his dad at all. Whereas his mother had these ice abilities. And so he kind of leans towards that. So I imagine the fight kind of going back and forth between them and, uh, Todoroki is trying to like freeze Black Manta and Black Manta keeps using like those beams to break out of the ice and and get the fight keep going trying to get things close while Shoto is trying to make it a little bit more of a distance of a fight um, and then eventually uh, Todoroki is going to have to use the fire half as well during that fight just because it, it's going to look mm-hmm. amazing using ice and fire against those power beams and all the gadgets. I think it would just be a really cool mix of yeah. element versus um, like tech. Yeah. And, and we, as we previously mentioned, you know, the suit is meant to resist uh, extreme temperatures and it's sealed on the atomic level. So he would be able to withstand a lot of these uh, high temperature and low temperature attacks. So, I mean, it would, he'd be evenly matched. I think Manta would probably win that. I think so too. I just think it would be a really fun fight. (laughs) It would be fun. It would be fun for sure. Well, we talked about a lot. Uh, Hopefully uh, you are listening to this and have some newfound respect for black Manta. I want to rush out and try to find 
you know, a Black Manta comic, graphic novel, some some of the classic Aquaman storylines, read some stuff online, watch the Aquaman movie, go watch Young Justice, go get some of those toys, whatever you need to do to, to pay respect for the most ridiculous yet badass character that we've so talked about. Good. So cool. <laughs> uh, uh, so it's time to close the book on Black Manta. So until next time, this is Chris and Lance reminding you to keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. Do you think any fish have ever like swum around in Black Manta's helmet? She using it as a fish bowl. All the time. Okay. I imagine that's what Aquaman would use it for. <laughs>